Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now with me, your host, Anna Gammons. This is the show where we explore art from the past and art from the present in order to understand how we as humans have expressed ourselves throughout time. Our theme this week is the art of illustration and I get to interview designer and illustrator Louise Mulgrew of Louise Mulgrew Designs about her playful and heartwarming animal designs that you will have definitely seen around because they are in so many stores on greetings cards but before that I wanted to speak about another very well-known female illustrator whose love of animals gave us the likes of timeless characters such as Peter Rabbit and Jemima Puddle Duck. Now, if you didn't know I was talking about Beatrix Potter, then shame on you. Uh, Beatrix Potter is one of the most famous women of British history and probably the most, well, the second most famous Potter uh, after Harry, who I'm sure everybody is aware of. Uh, Not a connection, though, unfortunately. That would have been fun, but no. Um, She was born in 1866 and she is most known for her watercolour characters. Uh, But she's also a writer. She's also an illustrator and a natural scientist so she's not just kind of she's most famous for her designs um, and her books her children's books but she does a lot of other things too which is one of the things I absolutely love about her she is multi-talented she became really well known as well not just for her children's books but also in the field of mycology which I thought was so fascinating um, is mycology is essentially the study of fungi um, and yeah through her drawings um, of fungi as well which kind of reminded me of that connection between science and art that we see in da Vinci's technical drawings too of the anatomy so I I, again love that connection between science and art I think it's really interesting Um, but her love of painting began with her drawings of the Lake District where she holidayed with her family as a child but it wasn't actually until her 30s that she published um, her first children's books which was The Tale of Peter Rabbit which I'm sure you all know it is the most famous work that she's done Um, but it meant because it was so successful it also meant that it sort of started her full-time career uh, as, as writer and illustrator as well and she ended up writing 23 children's tales and made money from them as well as the merchandise that she produced alongside of them too she was very business savvy as well another thing I love about her uh, but I remember in my childhood that we actually had some china in our cabinet that had Jemima Puddle Duck on it and we definitely didn't buy it. It was not my mum's style, but it was obviously something that we inherited. Uh, but it's so interesting how we sort of, we've grown up. I, I certainly have as a 90s kid grown up with her books and um, her illustrations. And as I said, it was on our china plates and, and cups and things like that. So surrounded by Beatrix Potter. Um, but the, by the time she died in 1943, she'd created this massive legacy, which she ended up leaving to the National Trust as well, which explains why so many of the Natural Trust merchandise and designs also contain um, a lot of her illustrations too. It is said that her her love of animals came from her love of the countryside, as I mentioned previously, Um, but also because she kind of grew up surrounded by animals as well. She had so many pets. She had dogs, mice, rabbits, hedgehogs, um, bats, and she would often study and draw them, which, you know, they say that a true love, you know, a real passion kind of comes from the true love. And and she obviously was totally in love with her animals, which is really, really wonderful. But she was also influenced by fairy tales and fantasy worlds too. Um, And these included kind of folk tales of Western Europe, 
Europe and also Lewis Carroll's Alice in Wonderland too. And you can sort of see the kind of connection, that sort of whimsical um, nature of her designs, sort of a thread throughout, which I thought was really interesting too. And she first kind of started to illustrate more traditional stories such as Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty. And then kind of gradually as she started drawing her pets more and more, she developed a really unique style of kind of these animals. And that's where her most famous drawings kind of came around. But what I also thought was interesting was it was in 19, it was in 1890 when she started selling Christmas cards. And she knew quite early on that she wanted to kind of make a living doing this, despite having many different talents in many different areas. But she started selling Christmas cards, which were featuring sort of this mice and rabbit motifs that were sort of personified. They're wearing clothes, they're carrying lanterns. Uh, there's one with a Christmas pudding as well, which I thought was adorable. Uh, but yes, yeah, and then she sold her first um, kind of uh, book, as it were, Benjamin Bunny, um, to the firm of he- Heidelsheimer and Faulkner in 1890. And then she signed with a London publisher called Frederick Warner and Co. And they requested that she did her designs in colour. So that's kind of where these really, really famous designs came around. And this was the, also the publishing of The Tale of Peter Rabbit in 1902 by the same publisher, which is her most famous uh, design. And it's kind of, you know, the rabbit, he's wearing a little blue jacket. We all kind of know it. Or I hope you know it anyway I'm sure you've seen it without maybe realizing Uh, but yeah she as I mentioned earlier uh, she left all of her um, kind of drawings to the National Trust but I thought it was really interesting that they actually found in 2015 a manuscript of an unpublished book titled the book Uh, sorry, The Tale of Kitty in Boots. And it was discovered in the Victorian Albert Museum archive, which I thought was so interesting. But to this day, a lot of her work is also owned by um, various galleries, including The Tale of Peter Rabbit, which is owned by Frederick Warner & Co., which is her original publisher. Uh, But then the Tate Gallery owned The Tale of Flopsy Bunnies um, and... Uh, oh sorry no that's wrong Flopsy Bunnies was owned by the British Museum sorry Uh, my mistake but I thought it was really interesting because my rabbit growing up was called Flopsy and I didn't realise that this is kind of where this had come from I I assumed that my sister and I just thought really creatively of the name not so creative at all for a bunny but yeah I I didn't realise that this was actually coming from one of her 23 books as well which I thought was really interesting but her books are also still sold around the world and to this day uh, there's kind of more and more things being created about her. In, in 2018, there was a film titled Peter Rabbit. I'm sure you've seen the animation. It's an American film. But like even to this day, she's still really kind of a household name and her designs are still, still scattered throughout, which I thought was really interesting. And I was thinking about why I thought she was so kind of popular and I sort of, I think it's because she was so successful um, and she had a kind of really unique way of capturing the mannerisms of animals which we sort of recognize in ourselves, for example and because we're such a kind of narcissistic creatures humans we like things to sort of be humanized for us so we can make the connections and she sort of did this in a really charming and simple way with her little drawings of bunnies and um, of ducks as well and sort of told these really sort of simple narratives that educated sort of adults as well as children as is with most things I think um, parents might tell you that as they're sort of educating their children they're reading them books they're sort of reacquainting themselves with these very simplistic ideas that are often the most important about love and friendship and um, and everything in between as well so yeah Beatrix Potter a little history of one of the most famous British illustrators that we know and love (laughs) 
Good afternoon. You are listening to Resonance 104.4 FM and this is Art Then and Now. It is time for my interview with the very talented Louise Mulgrew of Louise Mulgrew Designs, who has taken the luxury cards industry by storm with her beautiful illustrations of animals. Um, she talks about this kind of connection that we have with animals too and why she loves to paint them so much. It was such a pleasure talking to her. I hope you enjoy our interview. Here's Louise. looking very colourful right now which is uh, very on brand for your work uh, okay so should we describe your creative business just for the listeners I'm um well I suppose I'm a card publisher mm-hmm. um so I basically um illustrate um cards and print we're primarily a wholesale business so I sell mm-hmm. um our cards to shops and they sell mm-hmm. them on to their customers they're mostly animal based um I'm a massive animal lover um and I love you're one in a melon and there's a little <laughs> there's melon designs there's a flamingo that I'm looking at there's um I mean there's avocados one for my better half and there's two avocados and there's this kind of there's a looseness to them but also because they're illustrations as well you've used um pen to kind of outline give parameter I guess to the designs too so yeah they're, they're watercolor they're also sort of pen and ink and gouache mm. and um a little bit of acrylic like it, it's really a bit of a mishmash tell us a little bit about how you came to running your own illustration business I um was always interested in art at school mm-hmm. um I did sort of GCSE so day levels I went on to do an art foundation in Brighton and then I went up to do um my illustration degree at Loughborough University okay. um which yeah it wasn't it wasn't perfectly suited to me up in Loughborough coming coming from Brighton mm-hmm. um I was happy to be home when yeah. I when I came back to Brighton and um yeah I, I I sort of flapped around for um about a year after I graduated I didn't really feel like I had the right design skills to get a job so right. I really would say I it's that's so bizarre look at you work I mean <laughs> yeah but I really would say that I I I started my own business because I was really frightened of getting a job right um, okay I, I'm, I'm quite traditional in the way that I work mm-hmm. um I work with a lot of wet media I I didn't really learn many digital skills when I was right. at university I've always been a bit sort of like um scared of that sort of you want to kind of use things at your resource like your hands and like yeah get maybe and, and more I'm just, natural kind I'm just of quite approach um God, generally and and I've, I've since got much better at using photoshop for editing and that sort of thing I can't really remember how I stumbled into cards but but it was very um unexpected mm-hmm. and, I, and I certainly had no intention at all of owning a business or anything like that I really um I really started painting animals I suppose and I was doing a couple of cards mm. for like friends as commissions yeah, and things yeah. like that and found out about a trade show um and so I did a few kind of card designs for that and it it sort of, kind of evolved from there, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so exciting. So were you kind of influenced by different people when you were studying or have you been influenced by anyone or these kind of designs just magical from your head? Yeah, so uh, probably if, if, if anyone looks at my work, they, they would... Um, they would be able to tell that I've I love sort of like picture book illustration I grew up um reading lots of picture books all of the kind of classics like I love um Beatrix Potter I love Quentin Blake I love Shirley Hughes um Edith Kerr like all of those kind of old school you can totally see the influence of 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 kind of all of those um illustrators for sure exactly and 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 they were all very sort of traditional and and obviously the kind of storytelling nature of their illustrations as well right I think probably is something that's come into my work yeah, as well yeah because yeah. it's so much more than that as well I mean they are the most 
beautiful cars as I've described, but they are also telling a story. Like there's so much heartfelt content in them as well, which I think is very, for me, that speaks of Quentin Blake and Beatrix Potter as well. Like those yeah. kind of, as you said, storytelling and meaning behind. Yeah, um, I, th I think I think there's, uh, I mean, obviously lots of my illustrations, there's more than one sort mm -hmm. of animal in them, but there's there probably is a story going on between them. There's certainly yeah. like a relationship. I really want to talk about your design process because I think it's the most interesting thing from someone to have a, an idea or a concept and be able to make it into such a commercial product how how do you go from one to the other for me the um the initial drawing stage when i'm doing my animal illustrations is um it's really important and it's actually something i mess up for hours before i get not hours but i i really mess it up before i get it right it's amazing how how yeah. wrong i can make an animal before it starts <laughs> again looking i just right. i'm struggling to buy it but oh no, yeah I'll, sure I'll, we'll I, really, go. <laughs> I really will show you some drawings to start with and and that's fine like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to get there immediately but it often does take um, quite a long time to, to I mean my illustrations are um, a sort of mixture between um, sort of true to life but also mm -hmm. stylized um, absolutely and a fine balance between them being um, realistic and but also sort of characterful mm -hmm. um, so it, it takes me a little while to get the kind of expression and the sort of essence of the animal that I'm trying to capture and then I'll generally draw on you know whatever cartridge paper or something like that and then yeah. I'll um, I'll just put it up against a window and, and trace it onto the oh, watercolour that's paper. really clever yeah it's cheap oh my and god then... <laughs> no I love that that's what you do oh wow um, that's, that's yeah, so my 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 drawings initially are super scruffy, like I say, because I get it wrong so many times. Yeah. And you get the proportions um, as well. I think that's probably, that's sometimes yeah, the hardest thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly right. Totally. And, and, um, and where they are on the page, for example, like I'm looking at the most beautiful illustration of a, it's a rhinoceros, right? And yeah. then, it, but it's, it's coming into the page as opposed to like full centre, which I guess that takes some arranging the, yeah, the kind of I composition. I guess you can, you can always edit that on, on the computer later as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so I'll, yeah. I'll draw it, I'll trace it. And then that's when I paint over it. And, and often this can go wrong as well like the um the colors can't don't always look right and the splatters everywhere but it's, it's often um then edited on photoshop yes. later and i'll i'll tend to do a lot of like sort of cutting out and placing things and rubbing things thing. out but yeah. all of the um all of the actual artwork is done yeah traditionally so you've got this kind of digitized image after you kind of got it onto the like the computer and then you kind of edit it and then that's how it then gets made into these gorgeous cards and then you've got wrapping paper and um there's gift bags and things as well like and yeah, so more to come i guess as well which is exciting yeah i'm we're really hoping to expand our, our product range which is really something we've not done a lot of up until this point um, yeah, yeah, yeah. greetings cards have kept us busy yeah so i make it into a print ready file we send them off to the printer and then Amazing. they print them um by the bucket load so <laughs> exciting is it hard to be creative on tap like you I mean this is your business you you are creative but you're also earning money so like how does 100%. that kind of balance yeah. Do you have a way to get into it or i'm the queen of creative block <laughs> I, I struggle with it enormously i, I that's really comforting to a lot of people it. listening then <laughs> i struggle with creative block if i'm not struggling with the ideas i'm struggling with creating the artwork it's right. and if i'm if i'm good at creating artwork i've got no ideas to work with like it's it it, yeah. it does feel like it's a real um a real struggle at times but yeah. obviously it feels more like a job then doesn't it when you're like yeah, it, oh. it, it feels like a lot of pressure um but there really isn't a better feeling than mm. than producing artwork like when when it comes out how you want it to oh, it's totally. a, it's a massive buzz I it really, is really, such a good feeling there's nothing like it do you do you do any special things or do you just kind of sit and wait for it to kick in i i probably just do what every single it, artist or? says they do and i i go out and and be outside like right I, I go for a walk i've I, I find it difficult to 
to switch off entirely but mm -hmm. I do find that going for a walk is a kind of productive way of like yeah. clearing your head a reset almost like yeah it is and, and and so often I'll just be like I'm, it's not happening today I can't mm -hmm. do it today and obviously because um there's a, a lot more to do than just just the artwork mm -hmm. there's there's often plenty of other jobs that I can be getting on with mm -hmm. and that's really useful but but I do find that um I it feels like a lot of pressure when when there's really kind of upcoming deadlines and and I'm and I'm mm -hmm. struggling to make the artwork I'm struggling yeah, to yeah. actually make it look right oh god that's such it, a that and then yeah. of course you get yourself into a cycle of like the more you're struggling with it the more it goes wrong because you're not in the right brain space 100%. and then the more you panic and it's just it is so hard yeah. like yeah. um I want to talk about some of your favorite designs do you have any that really stick out as being meaningful or yeah just... I, a lot of my designs are influenced by um traveling that I've done right so, um, right one of my my favorite ranges is called um jungle tumble it's it was inspired by a trip to Costa Rica and um, what a great and, place to go for inspiration as well yeah it was it was spectacular and, and it's always good to be like oh yeah I'm doing this for work <laughs> <laughs> this is a work trip <laughs> exactly um, this is the um, thing that you say you don't know whether people have seen them I guarantee so many listeners have seen your work everywhere because it absolutely is everywhere and they they just need to turn the card over and you'll recognize the name Louise Mulgrew on the back but I mean they're everywhere like I, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, so commercial it, like it's it never amazing. gets boring like seeing them out in the yeah, wild yeah that's for sure more recently, I went to um, Africa and we went Amazing. to Tanzania, um, and, wow. and that inspired um, a, a new range called Africa. I don't um, know. <laughs> and of course, it always helps when you've seen the animals in real life. Like. Yeah, it really does. And, and Africa, particularly, is I feel like I left my heart there. But um, oh, elephants are my my favourite animal. So so probably a lot a lot of my elephant illustrations are the ones that I love. Me other than cats, obviously. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I also love. I think elephants are supposed to be really. Um, I mean, apart from being really intelligent, they're also really family orientated is that right and they have a lot of um Massively parallels so. with with our race of you know. i think that we have so much to learn from elephants oh goodness i absolutely love elephants yeah, yeah they're they're really spectacular like, yeah, yeah really really spectacular creatures amazing and of course like you know we talk about the fact that there are stories in the illustrations there's also your story as well from like from going to these places seeing them and stuff and of course I mean, that passion's really evident in the cars because they're so heartwarming and that absolutely comes across that you've had an experience yourself. And then... Yeah, I, well, I'm happy to hear that you think so. Oh, my goodness, I, of course. I really hope so. I really hope that... Um, because obviously you can just Google these animals. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't need to go to Africa to see an elephant, obviously, but yeah. um, it, it it does help. It it really does help you to capture like um, yeah. a a feeling of of yeah, somewhere yeah. to to have gone and and yeah done it. Seen Absolutely. It um, and I was saying this, uh, you know, when I describe your work to people, it's the designs are so playful, um, but they're also really sincere as well. You have a lot of. Um, cards that are kind of about you know you're the one I love or like there's there's kind of mother-daughter cards and like portrayed through animals that like you kind of personify feelings and emotions and stuff like that um is there a kind of a I guess there is a message behind them which is just to kind of show affection for someone which is why we give cards so yeah I mean it works really well that they're on cards I I definitely um I definitely like to capture like a relationship mm -hmm. between the animals between the characters mm -hmm. or, or or just a feeling like that they could they're they're hopefully playful they're quite um humorous sometimes and um, absolutely and it works yeah it, it works really nicely as um light-hearted gesture in a card yeah yeah I genuinely think that they because you're using these universal themes of like humor but also love and friendship I think that's why they appeal to not only there's a kind of ch childlike playfulness to them but also I would I give them to my partner on our anniversary because 
they're really yeah they yeah. bring out that plated side well as well. I think human characteristics can really be reflected in animals and I think anyone mm -hmm. who has a pet like a dog or a cat yep. um we all we all personify them a little bit don't you? I know for sure yes. I, can have, I can have hour long conversations with my cat oh, and I'm talking to myself absolutely <laughs> um, they're the best listeners as well yeah, you don't get but, feedback you don't want <laughs> yeah exactly and you, but, but, but I think if you observe animals long enough you it really does um it helps you to learn more about humans mm -hmm. as well. I find their sort of expressions and their behaviours. Yeah. And I think if, if you do love animals, it's, it's kind of merging the human and the animal together. That comes across very clearly, um, even without explanation. Like, that's, that's obvious. And that's kind of why, again, they're so accessible, so charming. Okay, so you are remarkably successful, despite how humble you're being. And you run your own business. Can you kind of speak a little bit about the kind of excitement about that and also as we all know these kind of ventures are very difficult too so how do you find oh I wouldn't that say side I'm remarkably successful <laughs> at this stage thanks Anna <laughs> um yeah it, it, it I'm it. sure the, the challenges of running a business are sort of universal for, for me personally I would I would say that um because I never intended to start a business mm. I um I really started off just by by painting animals that was that was the only skill in the world I felt that I I had and even sometimes I don't have that um and <laughs> humble I'm telling you <laughs> um but I would I would really say the sort of um the leadership side of things I, mm -hmm. I really struggle with I'm I'm a, a bit of a, a sort of fragile flower and mm. I find it I find it quite difficult taking on um the responsibility of other mm. people's managing of, and yeah like, managing yeah. Is, is is a really um a really tricky skill particularly when you're working in such a small business mm -hmm. um you can't and we, we have a tiny little office and you can't sort of there's 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 nowhere to go really for anybody right right and um, I, I mean it, it's um i don't think we could probably go too much further without without the sort of mentioning the fact that it was um me and my dad really who's who i would say co-founded the business together. Right. Like, i went off to um to the, this trade show and that was where we discovered there was um a, an interest in my artwork mm -hmm. um but but my dad um, was then coming to the end of um, a contract. He's an accountant by trade, um, a very, very different type of brain box to me. Yeah, <laughs> but one that I imagine is is really complementary to your side of things. Massively so. We really couldn't be more opposite. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, we, we, we sort of built this business up um, mm. together. Um, he, he was kind of building up all of the sort of logistical... Um, processes the operations yeah. side of things and and really with, without my dad in, involved it it wouldn't be anywhere close to what it is at yeah. the moment because I would have had to have taken the time to um to learn how to do things and I would have been much much slower but um bringing on mm -hmm. um our key accounts and um sort of fulfilling orders it's, it's the logistical stuff that takes so much time as well and yeah and, especially and if your brain doesn't quite work in that way it is so hard with such such um large quantities now and it's yeah, it, it, it's a cha it's a challenge. Um, yeah, my mum is now involved, so it's it's very much a family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> family. Um, that enterprise. comes with its own benefits and difficulties as well, like working with family. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, my poor dad. He, he <laughs> says it's like herding cats working with me and my mum. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've got we've got a couple of other um, girls who are who aren't um, family members. Poor things. So you can tell them um, off then. <laughs> I'm joking. Not. Oh my gosh, I don't need to. They're so brilliant. Um, I'm saying um, that ironically. Like Louis, I can never imagine Louise telling anyone off. She's no, so I, I I can't tell people of that. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, it's so so. I would say where are we at? We've got le leadership is definitely um, something that I struggle with. Yeah. The family, the family business side of things, 
I always know they've got my best interests mm -hmm. at heart, which is something that probably not, not everyone can mm -hmm. say when they're sort of starting out. But you are very environmentally conscious with your business. And I want to talk a little bit about that because it's so important and also clearly close to your heart. So, yeah, it's it, it's it's a real it's a real problem. And I think it's a problem for everybody um, in retail, really. I am. Um, we're not environmentally conscious enough yet. And it's it's one of our sort of primary concerns. Mm. Um, obviously, our, our cards are nature inspired that they're, they're mm -hmm. sort of animal loving illustrations and that's that's first and foremost where I get my inspiration from mm -hmm. um and with you know with the sort of climate crisis with um yeah an, an enormous amount of plastic in the oceans etc um I don't want my business to be contributing mm -hmm. um, more than I can avoid the biggest problem that that card publishers really are, are facing is is working out how to um, display our cards without them getting damaged. Yes, Obviously, of course, because the plastic stops that. But yeah, and and it's a, it's a single use plastic. It's mm. a film. It's it's not widely recycled. The alternatives aren't really good enough. It's sort of compostable and cornstarch and biodegradable and things mm. like that. There's all kinds of issues with those as well. Yeah, um, the sort of shelf life, um, the fact that it looks like plastic. So um, recycling plants and sort of. Um, local composters and stuff will take it out because it looks like plastic even oh, if it course. does biodegrade the awareness as well yeah yeah 100%. So it, honestly we just need to not be wrapping our cards in plastic but mm. when you're doing them in in the quantities that we're doing them mm -hmm. in when they're on stored high-end retail warehouse. stores as well like and they're stored in a warehouse they're transported between countries mm. and um and then they're kept in stock rooms and then they're out on the shelves for the public to touch and mm -hmm. whatever else it, you only need to kind of have a corner folded down or something and, mm. and it's unsaleable so mm -hmm. that in itself creates more waste it's it, it's um it's a problem so i also think it's it's a brilliant opportunity i think there's lots of money to be made by um by people coming up with good alternatives and mm -hmm. and and i think um by like shop selling selling sort of ethically um ethically made products and kind of sustainably packaged products mm. and things there's a good opportunity because customers that's what people are wanting nowadays Absolutely. and that so hopefully will become the norm so a little exactly a little right. a little like imperfection may not become like on a f piece of fruit for example will 100%. hopefully become totally acceptable to a consumer that, in the same way yeah that's exactly right and when it comes to cars like i'm it's 10 years ago, n none of them were wrapped in plastic. Right. And I, I think, yeah, we just kind of have to go mm -hmm. back to those roots, really. Absolutely. Um, we're, um, we're now partnered with a reforestation non-profit called Eden Reforestation Projects. And we basically, um, we per sort of 12 cards that we sell, we sell wholesale packs of six. So per right. two packs, okay. we plant, we pay the money to plant plant one tree and the way that it works is they're they're providing um um work for villages in these communities that mm -hmm. would otherwise be struggling so you're providing work and you're you're contributing to reforestation yeah. obviously we're a paper product so that is um that really works well for us and i think more Absolutely. and more more and more people are 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 doing that in their business and yeah. finding ways of sort of offsetting their carbon and um yeah that's just that's just one of the things the, the very small things that we can do yeah absolutely so great that you're you know taking responsibility and uh and kind of giving back in in an appropriate way for a card company like that makes perfect sense that you're partnered um with an environment agency that plants trees that's so great so what exciting projects are you working on at the moment can you give us a little a sneak peek of what may be to come 
we've now actually done some sort of official strategy sessions and we're coming up with our sort of five-year plan um, numbers are involved and all sorts of things that I don't understand <laughs> so I can't, much can't, admin <laughs> can't quantify exactly um, in terms of um, art wise I mean I'm, I'm always producing new um, card designs we've got some some licenses as well that we'll I suppose we'll be launching apart from going in every shop uh, and seeing your cards everywhere where can listeners Not go true. to find more about you and your work uh, so I am um, I only really use um, Instagram, so that's It's a just... perfect platform, though, like, for what you do, so... Yeah, it's, it's just my name, Louise Mulgrew, and you can obviously visit our website as well, which is louisemulgrew.com. And you definitely should. If you ever, um, you know, thinking about any kind of celebration or event, uh, these cards, there's one, there's one for every kind of occasion, so definitely look her up. You'll start to recognise her work everywhere. Thank you so much for talking to me today. This has been so lovely. Thank you for having me. So that was Louise. Wasn't she lovely? My favourite thing about her cards is that they are so whimsical in the nature, but also they've got such a sense of humour to them too. And she has so many designs to choose from too. Um, if you are ever in John Lewis, Paper Chase, um, among many other places, they're everywhere and they're so distinctive. You'll never want to buy anything else once you've tried Louise's cards. Also, one thing I found out while the interview was recording was that uh, the in 2000 and when was it? 2014 when the in the archive of the Victorian Albert Museum Beatrix Potter's book was founded uh, was found wait let me find the name of it uh, it was the the book The Tale of Kitty and Boots yeah it was actually illustrated by Quentin Blake which I thought was really really fascinating so there you go three different types of illustrators we've talked to today or talked about today uh, Quentin Blake got a, got a little mention in there Beatrix Potter and of course the wonderful Louise Mulgrew that is unfortunately all we've got time for this afternoon thank you so much for listening to Art Then and Now with me, Anna Gammons, for any of the images discussed on this week's show or to just get in contact if you want to tell me what I've been doing well or what I've been doing badly, then do uh, then do visit the Facebook site at the Art Then and Now show. I'll see you next week at 3.30 on Residence 104.4 FM. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>